Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. A high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It is Monday, the day after Father's Day. I hope everybody had a great Father's Day weekend, but there's a lot to catch you up on in the baseball world, of course. I'll do that with some top storylines, but it's the Monday episode, which also means an updated top 10 MLB power rankings, a new team of the week and player of the week, and the day after Father's Day, we thought of a really cool list, the top five father-son duos in Major League Baseball history. So I am pumped to get to that, Um, but again, I hope everybody had a great Father's Day. I am out here in Los Angeles. My dad is back home in Virginia. So I unfortunately was not able to be with him, but still called him and uh, had a had a bunch of long talks and conversations. And I know, Producer Conrad, you actually got to go see your father, so I'm jealous of you there. But uh, how was that? I hope you had a good weekend as well. Man, it's so great to be able to go back and see your dad, especially on Father's Day. You get to only see him maybe two or three times a year with us living on the West Coast, being from the East Coast. So it was a great day. I mean, there's just been tons of golf and baseball on in the background. I feel like I've been home. <laughs> all the time now so let's get into some baseball though man uh the Mets the Yankees do we have are we seeing the two best teams in baseball play in New York right now that is that is exactly what we're seeing we're seeing the kings of New York on on both sides of town in the Bronx you got the Yankees and Queens you got the Mets and these two teams are are the best two teams in each league the Yankees are the best team in the American League the Yankees are the best team in baseball the Mets on the opposite end have the most the most wins in the National League. It is truly incredible what we are seeing. To this point in the year, 65 games into the year, both teams have never had a winning percentage over 600. This is the first year it has ever happened. The Mets are 44 and 24 and the Yankees are 49 and 17. There has never been a season where this has happened. It's special. It truly is. If you're in New York, you're in the heart of baseball right now. And it's really cool to see. We could potentially be heading to, to a Subway series. And I know it's it's early, and I'm not going to predict that. I'll s- stick with my preseason predictions to this point. But as of right now, these two teams are on a collision course. Both teams are doing it differently as well. So let's talk about the Mets first and foremost. Because I've been on record a good bit this year saying that the Mets aren't going to met and, you know, for the, for those that don't know what that means, it's a saying over the last few years where the Mets have had a talented team, they end up in first place for a while, and then they just all fall apart. Think San Diego Padres last year, second half collapse. That's kind of the Mets are going to met. But this year, I've been saying that's not going to happen. This team is built differently. And if there was ever a time for it to happen, it was over the course of the last 
Two weeks since since the start of June. The Mets' two best pitchers, two of the best pitchers on the planet, Jacob deGrom and, and Max Scherzer, go down. They're not on the team. They're, they're injured. They're not pitching. That's the heart and soul of that pitching staff. They're gone. So then you have to look to others to pick it up. And the others have been picking it up. But look at the month of June. This is what I want to talk about. Because what happened here? Well, the Mets had a double-digit lead in the NL East. They're, they had a 10-and-a-half game lead in the NL East. The Atlanta Braves, and, and this is what's happened in the past, the Mets will have a lead and then st- something will happen or their players won't play great. The Braves will start playing better. Boom, next thing you know, Braves are in the lead. Well, what happened again? The Atlanta Braves go on and rattle off 14 wins in a row in an easier stretch of their schedule. Uh, but obviously, it's not easy to win 14 in a row. They did just that. The Mets were in the midst of a brutal part of their schedule. They had to play the Dodgers. This is on the road. Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and then the Brewers. Okay? Very tough stretch. I know the Angels haven't been playing great baseball, but um, a little better of late. But they're a good baseball team with a lot of superstars. And those other teams, Dodgers and Padres, two of the best, the other two best teams in the National League. The Mets ended up going seven and six on that stretch. Seven and six. That's pretty good in a stretch like that. This tweet, Braves complete a stretch today of 29 consecutive games against teams that were below 500 at the time of the matchup. Philly has since moved over 500. They are 20 and eight in that stretch yet gained just one game on the Mets in the NL East race in that period. And that, my friends, is my point. In the past, the Braves would go on that stretch, as we've seen before. The Mets would go in the opposite direction. Next thing you know, you're looking at the NL East, and there's a tie atop the NL East. Well, not anymore. The Mets go on that tough stretch and go over 500, which is all you can ask. The Braves did what they needed to do better than what they needed to do in that stretch. But now, guess what? Here we sit, and the Braves are still five and a half games now behind the Mets. They closed that gap. They got it to four from ten and a half. But the Mets just kept doing what they're doing and kept doing what they know they can do, and that's win ballgames. This Mets team is different this year. Even without those two guys, they are still able to do this. The recipe for success for good baseball teams is going 500, maybe a little bit better on really tough stretches, and beating the teams you should. If you do that, you're going to end up in a good position. The Braves went on a really uh, an easier stretch in their schedule, and they took advantage of it. The Mets went through a really hard stretch, and they played it over 500, and that's why I'm a believer in this team in the New York Mets. I'm a believer in both of these teams, but I am sticking with the fact that I've been saying for a little while now that I think the Mets are going to win the NL East because I think they are uh, incapable of falling apart. And that could come back to haunt me. That could come back to bite me. But I just think the way that they are built makes them incapable of doing that. And if they were going to, they would have done it already without their two best pitchers, without some other guys. And then they go on a tough stretch. Well, guess what? They still played pretty well. I like what the New York Mets are doing. On the other side of town in the Bronx, the Yankees are doing it in a different way. The Yankees are just (laughs) dominating everybody. They're 49 and 17. And I was one of the first might I add, on the bandwagon. I don't want to say bandwagon because that insinuates that I'm like a massive fan. I'm just a fan of the game of baseball. But I was one of the first this year to say, this New York Yankees team is the real deal. Watch out. 
And I remember saying that a while ago, and the response was, well, who have the Yankees played? The Yankees haven't played anybody. Well, guess what? They go into Toronto, a place that's tough to play, against a really good baseball team that I have actually winning the AL East. I, I did have them winning the AL East. I have them in the World Series. The Blue Jays team is very talented. The Yankees went in there and won two out of three games. Lost the Sunday game in a nail-biter. Still put up nine runs. This Yankees team is so unbelievably good. They are beating up on people they should beat, and they are beating up on people that are also really good. They are the best team in the game of baseball right now. Absolutely hands down. Now, I do have a concern, and I want to call this out. I want to call out Aaron Boone here. I'm a little disappointed. You have the team, you have this team that's the best in baseball, and everything is rolling. You've even had some injuries come your way, and they've dealt with the adversity and been even better. Clay Holmes has stepped in as the closer of this team and been perfect. He can't be any better. He's in the midst of 29 straight appearances where he hasn't allowed a run, breaking the club record set by Mariano Rivera in 1999. That guy's pretty good, I'd say. He can't be any better. And he's in this closer role for the New York Yankees, and he's been doing it so well. And this happened when Aroldis Chapman went down. Now, Aroldis Chapman wasn't doing great when, when he did get hurt, before he got hurt. He wasn't doing great. But he's been the closer for the New York Yankees for years, and he's been a fantastic closer in his career. But of late, I don't think it's been quite as dominant. There's certainly some control issues. There's been runs given up right before he went down. The other day, when asked about Aroldis Chapman coming back, Aaron Boone said when he comes back, he will be the closer, and Clay Holmes will be pitching in high-leverage situations where we need him throughout the game. He'll be closing some games, too. I am so disappointed in this decision. Why would you do that? Just because Chapman's been the guy in the past and and because he's been good in his career? I, I don't understand this. Clay Holmes has been the best closer in the game of baseball since he stepped into that role. Josh Hader was there. He gave up a couple runs the other day. His ERA is still minuscule. But guess what? Clay Holmes has been perfect. He's in the midst of the longest scoreless stretch in the history of the Yankees. Why can't we commit to him being the closer of the team? Why mess with what you have going on? I don't understand it. Listen to these splits between the two. When the two team when when they both come into a game and it's tied, okay? In a tie game, Clay Holmes has pitched 6 innings, a 1.5 ERA. Two total bases allowed. Aroldis Chapman, an inning and two-thirds, a 10.8 ERA. That's in a tie game. When the Yankees are leading, Clay Holmes has pitched 23 and two-thirds innings, a zero ERA, 26 Ks to three walks, 11 for 11 in save opportunities. Aroldis Chapman, 12 innings, a 2.25, also not bad, 12 Ks to seven walks, nine of nine. Clay Holmes has earned this job. That's all I have to say about that. I hope it doesn't mess up the Yankees' mojo because what they've been doing is historic, and this is a celebratory segment because the New York Yankees have been the best team in baseball, hands down. This is the best start to a season that they've ever had. This is the best start to the season that the Yankees and Mets combined have ever had, and there hasn't ever been, to this point, more exciting baseball being played in the state of New York. 
I couldn't agree more. And just like you mentioned, I don't know why you'd want to mess up something that was working for you. I mean, unless Chapman comes back 100% and he's throwing like old Chapman 102 miles an hour, 101 miles an hour. But I just haven't seen that from the last couple of years. So hopefully they, they keep it all together in New York at the back end of that bullpen. But let's move on to uh, this issue with the baseballs that's been going on. A lot of pitchers have been upset in the news about how the balls feel and how they're coming off their hands. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of people vocal this year about the baseball for, for no matter no matter what what we're discussing whether it be that the baseball is a little more dead than usual whether it be pitchers complaining about the balls not being rubbed up and having mud on them um but you know to this point in the year i haven't yet talked about it on here and and that's for a reason you know things have a funny way of of leveling Water levels at the end of the day. So I was just kind of waiting to see, you know, where we ended up here. But it's fairly clear to this point that the baseballs have been different this year. And there are pitchers still complaining. And and this conversation came about because the other night in Seattle, Michael Lorenzen of the Angels was pitching. And in a very scary situation, a fastball got away from him in Justin Upton's first game back, first game after being picked up by the Mariners. He's in the big leagues playing against his old team. And the first game he gets hit in the head with a fastball. Hit in the head after the game. Michael Lorenzen hit Justin Upton in the head with a pitch tonight. Afterward, he said the ball slipped out of his hand because the balls have not been rubbed up sufficiently. It was an issue for Ryan Tapera last night, too. So, yeah, the night before that, Ryan Tapera is on the mound. The umpire throws him out a baseball. He looks at it, throws it into the dugout. Umpire throws him another baseball. He looks at it, immediately throws it into the dugout. The umpire comes down. He's like, I don't know what you want me to do. And you could see Ryan Tapera saying, these balls aren't rubbed up. There's nothing on these baseballs. They're too slick. That's what we've been hearing around baseball for a while now, that the baseballs are dead and that the baseballs are too slick. I feel like the baseball's dead argument isn't as much anymore. I don't know what happened there. I don't know if they livened him up a little bit. But the baseball is slick conversation is still arising. Now, this comes from last year when they cracked down on substances being used. Pitchers were using substances, and, and it got out of hand when spider tack came involved. And, and that's the sort of stuff that kind of ruined this, by the way. At, at every level I've been at since college, you know, you play in college, I played professionally in the minor leagues. Every pitcher is using something to get a better grip on the ball, and that's completely okay, by the way. Hitters would actually prefer that. Like, don't let the ball slip out of your hands. Get a little better grip. That's fine. Then spider tack comes involved, and it really changes the way, changes spin rate, and it changes the stat cast era on pitches, and it, it really caused an issue that needed to be dealt with, and it was. But the way it was dealt with is no substances on baseballs ever. So there goes the pine tar and rosin. There goes the sunscreen and rosin. All that stuff is out the window. Here we are this year with nothing allowed, and pitchers are frustrated. Michael Lorenzen said that the other night. He was frustrated about the slick baseballs and made his comment that something needs to be done. There's There's been something going on. The baseballs are too slick. Chris Bassett earlier in the year said the MLB has a very big problem with the baseballs. They are bad, he said. Everyone knows it. Every pitcher in the league knows it. There is no common ground with the baseballs. There is nothing the same. Outing to outing, the baseballs are different. Kevin Gosman of the Blue Jays. My split definitely moves more sometimes and less others. I think that's because the balls are inconsistent. Some games I can really make it move, and other days it's a challenge. 
So you have pitchers that have all year been speaking out about this. Then there's hitters. On the hitter side, Patrick Wisdom said something is different because we can look at the metrics. We see how hard it's hit. Then we see the ball get caught. It starts raising some eyebrows, raising some questions. So I'm obviously not on the inside. I don't know what's going on there. I think it's clear that something has happened this year, and I'm not sure why that hasn't been um, admitted to yet because it, it's obvious. You know, you look at the stat cast numbers. I remember earlier in the year, there were two back-to-back hitters that hit the exact same pitch, the exact same launch angle, and the exact same exit velocity. Okay? Exactly the same. One was a home run 10 rows deep. The other got caught in front of the warning track. I, look, I'm no genius, but that says to me that there's something in- inconsistent going on with the baseballs. So, uh, just had to bring this up. Michael Lorenzen very vocal about it over the weekend, and and that's just I've heard I've heard enough of it. You know, uh, I, I've heard enough of it. We're a couple months into the year. Pitchers are still talking about it. Hitters are talking about it. The stat casts and and the numbers behind things say that something is different. So look, I don't know what it is. Um, I just I, I wish something would come out and we could be more transparent about this so everybody could understand. And uh, at the end of the day, people just don't want to get hurt. That's the that's the ultimate goal here is you don't want guys to be pitching with a slick baseball and somebody get hit in the head. And fortunately, Justin Upton ended up being okay. But it's really scary when stuff starts flying up around the head at 95, 100 miles an hour. You know, we're talking, we could be talking a, a serious injury. So uh, hopefully that gets fixed, but just had to bring that up as another storyline. But getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is the Monday episode, which means it is time for an updated Top 10 Major League Baseball Power Rankings. So let's get right into it. And let's start with number 10. For the first time this year, maybe at the beginning of the year, they might have been in this. For the first time in a while, the Philadelphia Phillies are back in the Top 10 Power Rankings. They are here at number 10. Since they made that change, since Joe Girardi was relieved of his duties... They went on a tear, and they have continued that. Now, they, they their winning streak came to an end, but they are still playing great baseball. They are now 36-32, and 32 entering, uh, entering Sunday, they were. So, good for the Phillies. Since uh, in the month of June, they went 15-3. and three. They are here at number 10 because of this recent stretch. At number 9, the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals are still leading the NL Central. The Brew Crew and the Cardinals are going to battle it out this year. But the Cardinals are in first right now. They're 38-30 and 30 entering Sunday. Paul Goldschmidt has been the best player on planet Earth for the month of June, at least. Uh, it's been incredible to watch. The Cardinals are here at number nine. Moving on to number eight and still in the top ten after a long absence. But they were back last week. They're here again this week. The Atlanta Braves at number eight. They are 38-29 and 29. since June 1st. The Braves are 14-2. and two. The 14-game win streak to start the month ranked second longest in franchise history. 
The Braves are leading all of Major League Baseball in runs scored in the month of June. The Braves are the real deal. I said that before the year. I was a big believer in them. I was a big believer they could be better than they were last year when they won it all. It's crazy to say, but now they're starting to prove to everybody just how good they are. At number seven, the San Francisco Giants. The Giants run a little bit of a skid until they played the Dodgers, who we all know are a great team in the game of baseball. They they sweep the Dodgers and they go on to play, continue to play good baseball. They're 37 and 28 entering Sunday. They are here at number seven. Moving on to number six, the Toronto Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays end up playing the Yankees, who are the best team in baseball right now. Um, and they end up losing two out of three, but that Sunday game showed a lot to me. Look, we know the Blue Jays are a very talented team. We know how good the Yankees are, so this is obviously a tough series. If they didn't win that Sunday game, they wouldn't be here right now. At least at number six, they wouldn't be. But I had to put him here, them here. They got behind in that game a good bit. They came from behind at home. The place was rocking. A big victory for them. So I really like this Blue Jays team still. They are really good. They are a force in the AL East. They are here at number six. Moving on to number five, the San Diego Padres. The Padres got a scare on Sunday. Uh, for those that didn't see it, Manny Machado, who has been fantastic this year and in the in the conversation for NL MVP this year, touches first base, rolls his ankle. It was actually a pretty gruesome injury. It was really bad when you slowed it down, uh, and it looked it looked like he was going to be out with a broken ankle for perhaps the rest of the year. Um, but somehow, and thankfully, x-rays were negative, ends up being a bad sprain. He'll miss a little bit of time. He won't be back until at least July. But disaster averted there what this Padres team has been doing without Fernando Tatis, and now they're going to have to do it without Manny Machado. It's been special, and that pitching staff has been picking them up big time. Moving on to number four, the Houston Astros. The Astros just keep rolling. Their bullpen has been huge for them this year. Um, their bullpen has a 2.55 ERA this year, which is the best in baseball. Uh, actually, 0.24 better than the second best team, which is the Yankees, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in terms of team ERA, that's a pretty good bit. The Astros bullpen, when you think of them, you don't think. When you think of Astros, you don't think bullpen. That's why they're here right now this year. The pitching staff, top to bottom. The offense has been hit or miss a little bit this year. The pitching staff has been dynamite, and that's why they're here at number four. Moving on to number three on this list, the Los Angeles Dodgers. 40-24 and 24 entering Sunday. Uh, we all know how good they are. The scary thing for me here is that I truly don't feel like the Dodgers are even playing that great of baseball, and they're 40-24. and 24. <laughs> I think that just speaks volumes to the team they are and how good they ultimately can be. But still room for improvement, and they're right there at the top of the NL West with the Padres. They are so good. 40-24 and 24 entering Sunday. Moving on to number two, the New York Mets. That's right. The Mets are the best team in the National League right now. The most wins. They enter Sunday with 44 wins. Um, I talked about them a lot off the top of the show, but what they have done without their two co-aces, and then going through a tough stretch in the schedule, still playing that stretch over 500, we need to be talking more about how good the Mets have been. We talk about the Braves when they go on that 14-game winning streak, like, ah, oh, here come the Braves. We need to talk just as much, if not more, about the Mets and how they were able to hold them off in that stretch and still have an over-five-game lead in the NL East. Impressive. 
Moving on to the top spot in this week's top 10 Major League Baseball power rankings, it's the New York Yankees. They are one win away from 50 on the year. They are 49-17. and 17. They are doing it in every facet of the game. Aaron Judge is an MVP form. Clay Holmes has been dynamite in the back end of that bullpen. The entire offense, Anthony Rizzo has been clicking. The pitching staff has been phenomenal. It is historic how good the New York Yankees have been, and that is why they round out the top 10 Major League Baseball power rankings, and they are the top spot this week. All right, and now it is time for my team of the week. I'm loving this segment. It gives me a chance every single week to pick my best player, every position around the field, and highlight different players every week. So let's get right into it. Let's start at catcher position. And again this year, Wilson Contreras is my catcher on team of the week. 370 batting average on the week, two homers, five RBIs. He also had that really cool moment this past weekend when they were playing the Braves and his brother, William Contreras, and they embraced at home plate. It was just really cool. I love seeing it. And Wilson certainly got the better of the two and had an awesome week. Next up, heading on over to first base, my first baseman on team of the week, Paul Goldschmidt. 500, four homers, 11 RBIs. He had more home runs on the week than he had strikeouts. Four homers to his three strikeouts. It has been unbelievable. He's also one of only two players in baseball with 80-plus hits and 35-plus extra base hits on the year. Truly incredible what he is doing so far. Moving on over to second base, the rookie sticking with the St. Louis Cardinals, Brendan Donovan. 467 batting average on the week, 14 hits, 7 RBIs. 14 hits on the week. Think about that. That's unbelievable. Jesus. Moving on over to third base. My third baseman on this week's team of the week, Manny Machado. Manny Machado had another good week. 400, two homers, nine RBIs. Uh, also a scary situation on Sunday. Thank God he got negative on his x-rays. Some good news there. It looked like he had potentially broken his ankle and that he was going to be out for the rest of the year. But, um Good news, but the bad news is he's going to be out for a little while. But he goes out being on this team of the week. So uh, next up, moving on over to shortstop. My shortstop for this week, I have Ahmed Rosario from the Cleveland Guardians. How good has he been? And how good has this Guardians team been? They've been playing really good baseball. Won eight of their last ten. They've looked really good. 440 on the week for him. Four RBIs, nine runs scored. Now let's head on out to the outfield. Now, this is just three outfield positions. It doesn't matter if they actually play left field or if they actually play center field. Just three outfielders in general. First up in the outfield, we will go with Mike Trout. Mike Trout had another awesome week. Four homers on the week, eight RBIs, a 1.098 OPS. Remember Mike Trout? Just very recently, people were like, what's going on with him? He was in the midst of the longest offer stretch of his career. Well, guess what? He's fine, and he can't stop hitting home runs at T-Mobile Park or Safeco or whatever it is. He doesn't care what it's called. He just hits a bunch of home runs there. It is truly remarkable what he did in that series against the Mariners this week. Next up. In the outfield, I will be going with Charlie Blackman. 
Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies hit 455 on the week, two homers, six RBIs. I love it. I love his sling. I love when he's playing well, and he was again this week. Last outfielder for this team of the week with the Atlanta Braves, Michael Harris II. His first two home runs of his career came this week. Two homers on the week, six RBIs, and he hit 391. I love what this guy is doing for the Atlanta Braves. I love him getting called up and and doing well and producing for the former, the, the reigning World Series champions. Loving it. Loving watching Michael Harris II play baseball. Moving on to the designated hitter from the Baltimore Orioles. I'm going with Ryan Mountcastle. 419, four home runs, nine RBIs. Now, yes, Ryan Mountcastle plays a lot of first base. He also had a few starts this week at DH, uh, so he qualified. And, and don't ask how he qualified. It's, it's my list. He played a couple times at DH. He's here as a DH, okay? Couldn't go over Paul Goldschmidt at first base, but found a loophole, played DH a few times this week. He's my DH on Team of the Week. Next up, the two pitchers. We'll start with the starting pitcher on the mound, Carlos Rodon of the San Francisco Giants. 2-0 and on the mound. 16 strikeouts in 14 innings pitched, zero earned runs. He had two starts on the week, didn't give up a single run, had a whip under one. Nobody was getting on base, 16 punch outs. What a week for Carlos Rodon. He has been throwing great for them out in San Francisco. And last up, rounding out my team of the week, my closer, Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Guardians. Like I said, they've been winning a bunch of ball games. Eight of their last 10. He had a lot of opportunities to get saves. Four innings pitched, four saves, no runs. That's a good recipe for being my closer on the team of the week. And he rounds out this week's team of the week. Finishing off the team of the week is my player of the week. We started doing this last time, and we are going to keep rolling with it. My player of the week, the Flippin' Bats Pod player of the week, Paul Goldschmidt. It has been unbelievable what he has been doing this entire season. He has just missed out winning an MVP award multiple times in his career, and he could be well on his way. I believe the leader, odds-wise, was Mookie Betts. Now Mookie goes down on the IL. Goldschmidt, my player of the week, four home runs on the week, batted 500 and had 11 RBIs on the week. It has been truly incredible what Paul Goldschmidt has been doing, and he just keeps doing you just think at some point he's going to slow down, but for the month of June, he just hasn't stopped. 11 RBIs on the week and hit 500, and that's why Paul Goldschmidt is my flipping Bats Player of the Week. But moving on, and I'm excited for this one. No better time to do this than the day after Father's Day. My list, my top five list for this Monday episode is the top five father-son duos in Major League Baseball history. This was a fun one for me. Let's get into it. It was fun to put this one together. At number five, I have the fielders, Prince and Cecil Fielder. I I just wish this one hurts and stings a little because Prince Fielder was so awesome to watch in his career. So much fun. Hit so many bombs. Had so many fun celebrations to watch, but his career was cut short due to his back neck injuries. But Prince and Cecil Fielder have just been and were a dynamic duo in their careers. Uh, next up, moving on, number four on this list is Felipe and Moises Alou. What a dynamic duo. I feel like we forget 
a lot of maybe not we, but myself being a little bit younger and not being able to watch Felipe play. I know and knew how good Moises Alou was, but Felipe Alou was fantastic in his career. Also went on to have a fantastic managerial career. These two were dominant, and they had to be on this list as well. Moving on to number three on my top five father-son duos, the Guerreros. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and Vladdy Guerrero Sr. You know, you know what's been really crazy? And, and these statistics were just a couple of days ago. Through their careers and through like the exact same amount of games, they had the exact same slugging percentage in their career and like the exact same amount of home runs. It's crazy how much their careers are mirroring each other. And that's pretty special to say about Vladdy Guerrero Jr. because his dad is a Hall of Famer. So what a path Jr. is on. And they are already on this list of top five father-son duos. Moving on. Number two, the Griffies. King Griffey Jr. and King Griffey Sr. You know, King Griffey Sr. in his own right was really good. And then along comes Jr. with the sweetest swing there ever was. I I don't think you could be in the wrong by saying King Griffey Jr. had the sweetest swing that has ever played in Major League Baseball. That's how good it was from the left side of the plate. Everybody tries to replicate King Griffey Jr.'s swing. What a dynamic duo these two were. Uh, also, to see them go back-to-back, and I didn't see them. I was too young. But they went back-to-back, back-to-back home runs in the lineup. That's that's pretty cool as well, and I can't imagine. Uh, just trying to think of that from my perspective, like going back-to-back in the lineup with my dad, like how cool would that be? But they're at number two, leaving only one spot left, and it's going to the Bonses. Bobby and Barry Bonds. We all know how good Barry Bonds was. Um, All the MVP awards, so many home runs, more home runs than anybody in history. In my opinion, the greatest hitter that has ever played um, pre or post uh, the steroid talk. Let's not forget how good Barry Bonds was. Won three MVP awards before he was ever linked to anything. And then throughout his career, just continued to be dominant and put up numbers that have never been seen before, had never been seen before, and continue to never be seen. Uh, It is truly incredible. And Bobby Bonds was a a great player in his own right. So this one was a lot of fun to put together. Bobby and Barry Bonds at the top spot. King Griffey Jr. and King Griffey Sr. at number two. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Sr. at number three. The Alus, Felipe and Moises Alou at number four. And Cecil and Prince Fielder round out this list at number five. All right, and as I like to do here before I wrap up on a lot of the Monday shows, a little extra innings segment. I got two things for you today. First up comes courtesy of Francisco Lindor in New York over the weekend. Obviously, he signed with the Mets last year, a big acquisition for them, uh, and is still there this year and will be for a long time to come. But his mom had never seen him play in a New York Mets uniform in New York. And over the weekend, he was surprised. His wife surprised him before the game, and his mom was there. He got to see her pregame. And for the first time, she got to see him play. And guess what he did in his very first at-bat? A three-run homer, his first at-bat with her in the stands. I mean, just truly an unbelievable moment. He hit another one in the next game, but the three-run homer, seeing how pumped he was running around the bases, she was in the stands. Uh, just a really cool moment. But 
Uh, next up, and before I wrap up, it is the day after Father's Day, and I need to mention my dad and what he has meant to me along the way uh, and, and where I got to in my baseball career and, and the person that I've become to this day is all a credit to, to my dad. And uh, the, the countless hours that we spent in the yard growing up playing catch, him throwing the wiffle balls to me before every single game. Uh, just in hindsight now, knowing how crazy and hectic life can be, having my dad be uh, that motivated and, and that much of a help to me along the way in my baseball career was always so special to me and even more special now looking back on it. And, and just the role model that he was and the person that he is is a big reason why I am the way I am to this day. So I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. And that's how I'm wrapping up this week's episode or this Monday episode. This was an absolute blast of an episode. Had a lot to cover. Thank you all for listening. Um, Happy weekend. I hope you had a great happy Father's Day. And I hope you enjoyed this Monday episode of Flippin' Bats. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, anywhere you listen to your podcasts, wherever, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. We're also on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at Flippin' Bats Pod. You can also watch every episode on YouTube as well. So thank you all for listening. I will see you tomorrow for another episode of Flippin' Bats.